Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Deadline City. We are your hosts. I'm Zoraida Cordova. And I'm Danielle Clayton. Where are we going to today, Danielle? We have a very special guest who I love, who's one of my favorite people. And she's here to take us to the pub- publicity parlor, is what we're calling it, um, to talk about all things publicity and like, how do people find out about your books? And what does a publicist do? And how does it all work? And demystifying the whole process. Yes, we have Cerecia J. Fennell here. Cerecia is a publicist, a writer, uh, a social entrepreneur who works and lives in New York City, and she's also the editor of the upcoming anthology, Wild Tongues Can't Be Tamed. And we're so thrilled to have you here, uh, finally, on Deadline City. Yes, I'm so excited to be here in the publicity parlor. That is so fancy. <laughs> Look, you're fancy. We love you. You're our boo. Oh my gosh, I love I love both of you too. When I got the email inviting me to be on this, I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna be hanging out with um, the fabulous ladies. This is amazing. Um, but yes, let's 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 get into it. I mean. I, I have so many things to share, and I'm sure y'all have so many wonderful questions to ask. Look, this is an episode that has been five seasons coming. I feel like authors really, really struggle when it comes to the publicity and marketing part of things. And so I think first we need to clarify for a lot of authors who do not understand the difference between their publicists and their market marketers, marketeers. No, marketeers, marketeers are like <laughs> I didn't know for a long time that they were different. So yeah. yeah. And I, sometimes I'll say something and I've had friends who are like used to be marketers and are now writers are like, that's actually your publicist job. And I'm like, oh, I don't know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> tell us, Theresia, tell us everything. Yes, yes, yes. And so, you know, um, I think especially now with uh, sort of the digital age, some of the lines do end up getting blurred, especially <laughs> especially the current, you know, global pandemic. Um, wow. Things have definitely been blurred a little bit. But the major the major difference is your publicist is the person that is um, going after media and also um, arranging events. But our job is largely media and like publicizing your book. So that's working to pitch, pitch you, pitch your, um, your book to national media, like, you know, the wall street journal, good morning, America, like all of that stuff, local media as well. Uh, bloggers, influencers are huge. I'm sure book talk, like everyone's probably talking about book talk, book talk has been blowing up. Um, so that is, 80% of what your publicist is doing. Um, And then depending on the publishing house, it's largely events and festivals um, and conventions related. But for the most part, our job is to basically shout about you, uh, the writer, and also your book to anyone that sort of writes (laughs) for publications, for blogs, and et cetera. And we generally um, don't necessarily have a budget, right? Because we don't pay for um, people to review your book. So publicity is never going to pay a publication to review your book. Um, I I know that like... Question, question. Oh, yeah, of course. Does Kirkus and these other publications, do they get paid to review books? Or is that only for self-publishing? That's only for self-publishing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So a writer or publisher will never have to pay any of those publications to review anything, but they do, they do charge the self-published writers because, you know, it's not really coming from, um, you know, like a corporate backed company that has distribution everywhere. Yeah. So the self-publishing, um, review angle is a little bit different. Um, Marketing. So marketing, they're the people who really have the budgets, right? They're the ones who are planning the advertising. They're the ones who are planning um, sometimes the copy and the positioning of the book. So if your book is like X meets X, 
um, kind of thing or uh, Latinx inspired fantasy, et cetera, et cetera. Normally the editor is going to write some copy, but then your marketer is going to sort of crib from that language and try and find like, what is the hook? What can we use to get consumers really excited? So they're the ones who are really um, focusing on how your book sort of is presented right to the to the world whereas publicity is really focused on building um building up the writer and also making sure that there's like coverage for your book in in media uh, we do have a small budget in publicity to do events and sometimes we'll do a national tour. So I know that's one of the things that a lot of writers are usually like, oh, you know, in order for me to promote my book, I need to be doing events and going out there and touring. Um, but unfortunately, not everyone gets a really big tour, um, but people do events locally or will pitch you for festivals and conventions. So it really just depends on the on the publishing house um, and what the budget is to sort of travel uh, because that's the only part of publicity where we're really spending uh, money. The the other thing that publicity um, handles that I guess most people don't really know too much about is award submission, um, actually, oh. which is which is um, something that I think a lot of a lot of people just don't talk enough about. So there. Whoa, I had no idea, Sericia, like at all. Yeah. So your publicist and also your editor, like I would say, lots of people on the on the uh, book publishing team will kind of say like. I read this book and I think that it would probably be good to, you know, submit to this award and et cetera, et cetera. So um, we all sort of pitch in and um, publicity handles the award submissions, unless it's something like a Pen America Award or, you know, submitting you for the National Book Award or something. No, the National Book Award we do handle. Okay. We handle that one, but it's like, some writer specific ones where like you're not really submitting your book, but you're kind of submitting the writer. We don't necessarily handle, um, but the National Book Award, we we totally handle that one. Um, you know, like the Kirkus Prize, we definitely uh, submit for that. Um, so many others. I mean, there's so many awards. I'm like, what else? Yeah, like the International Latino Book Awards. I know that like they just recently announced their stuff. So like we submit to that. We submit to the NAACP Image Awards, um, the, you know, Zora Neale Hurston, um, Bright Foundation, like their awards. So just several of, of the awards we definitely are submitting for. And we have a budget for that. So like even if we don't have a budget to travel the author, right, to do events, we still have a budget to submit your book to awards because it's coming from a different, um, you know, a different pocket. So, uh, you know, writers out there should definitely um, feel good about that. Like we're, we're just proactively doing that. Um, sometimes the, the writer or the agent might say like, can you be sure to like submit the book, you know, to this particular award? And we definitely do it uh, because. Oh, I've definitely done that. I'm like, can you please submit me to the one award I know I can win? Exactly. Which is the exactly. Oh, my. Award. <laughs> oh, <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So, um, you know, I want to encourage all of the writers out there, definitely like tell your editor, if you're connected directly to your publicist, tell your publicist um, any awards that you think, you know, your your book fits into. Um, the other thing is, I know that some writers don't like to share certain personal, you know, demographic information, but some of these awards are very, um, they have very specific criteria like awards for a specific state, you know, they're like if the author was born in this state or if they lived in this state. And so when we ask for some of this personal history, it's not that is we're- that why you, Is that why we get those surveys and when we first join up with a publisher, it's like, yes, fill out yes. all of this information. Like, why do you need to know the street that I was born in? Are you trying to take my credit score just kidding no but honestly I'm glad you brought that up because um most publishers call it an author questionnaire or some of them will say like an author survey but both I think most publishers use um the author questionnaire term and a lot of writers get this so far out you're getting it like as soon as you sign your your contract yeah. I feel like they send it to you after that so for some people they get it like 
two years before their book comes out. They'll get it one year before their book comes out. It could be six months before your book comes out. But I will say this, the more you know, information you put into those documents, um, the more it'll sort of um, help us internally because we look at that stuff when we're submitting for awards. We look at it um, when we're, you know, pitching you because like if you have a connection to a specific state or or city or town, um, we kind of like talk that up. And, you know, especially media, media, like local media, they're really um, excited about people who were born in the area and you know is doing something really fun and cool so I know it's a lot of questions in those packets but try and be as thorough as possible and I usually recommend to writers you know take your time with it don't do it you know don't do it in one day kind of thing where you're just like all right I'm gonna sit here today and just write this stuff because sometimes you have to really think you know, like actually where did, you know, where did I grow up if I, if you moved around a lot? Um, so it could be helpful for I, you. I actually, I actually thought that publishers did that to be like, do you have any friends in this town? And then you're like, no, I'm friendless. <laughs> I it, like, and they're trying to gauge, they're trying to gauge like, who's going to come to your book signing if you have a signing in your hometown. Right. I did think that too. I really did. And then I was like, well, I don't know. Like I live here now. So like, you know, like I did think it was about that instead of local media, because I guess when you write a book, you're not thinking about the media that it might get. Right. Right. And it's also easier. Like if you live, if you live in a more remote part of the country, the chances that you can get on like ABC or NBC, Wichita might be, might be easier than getting into like the daily show or something like that in New York. Right. Like nobody cares if like, Nobody getting into the New York Times is, is, is as, a, as a local newspaper is not very easy. Exactly. Exactly. And that one's a that one's doubly hard. Right. Because it's local for New Yorkers. But it's also sort of like a national global. paper yeah, that everyone yeah. reads. So um, it, it, it is quite challenging to, to get covered. Have you heard of the small author living in New York City and a million <laughs> right. people raise their hands? <laughs> exactly. And just thinking about media and who gets what. And I think when I started writing, I never thought like, oh, how do people find out about your book? Right. And like, Mm -hmm. I still don't know exactly the recipe for how people find out about your book. Is it just word of mouth? Is it just being pitched and being put on these different lists by magazines? Mm -hmm. Is it, you know, like, I don't know what the recipe is yes, for yes. a good media campaign. So I, um, I can help clarify some of that. So um, as soon as publicity, marketing, sales, like when ARCs come in or advanced reader copies, um, you know, I feel like back in the day, ARCs and galleys actually were very distinctly different. But now mm-hmm. people just use it interchange- interchangeably and it's kind of like the same thing. But I feel like an arc was something that was like closer to the finished product. Like it was very, you know, like all the bells and whistles. In 2008, when I was interning somewhere, uh, I was like, oh, I got a I got a galley of this book. And this lady was like, actually, I'm pretty sure you got an arc because a oh galley was like, because a galley was, was like, a, it was a bound is more of a bound manuscript exactly. type, right? Like, it, like it, it fell apart as soon as you cracked it open. But I knew I had a galley because I didn't know the difference. And I was like, look at this hoe. Right, right. <laughs> It's definitely changed uh, um, over the years. Uh, But, you know, once those wonderful, wonderful early review copies come in, everyone sort of begins to reach out to their network. And what that means internally is sales begins to talk to their accounts, Right. And so that could be, you know, all across the, the, the U.S., including special markets. So um, special markets like museums, um, restaurants that might like also sell books and things like that um, to begin to pitch you and to pitch to pitch the book. Um, and of course, it's our job to sort of like know what those people might like. So um, in publicity, we um, will send send the arcs out. It depends on your on the publisher. Sometimes we get arcs eight months out. 
um, six months out, sometimes four months out. It depends on the schedule of the book, but um, the earlier, the better. So, you know, between the eight and six month um, range, we're sending out to what we call long lead media, which is basically um, a lot of the national media. So, that's your print magazines like Elle magazine. Uh, well, Teen Vogue isn't in print anymore, but like Cosmopolitan. Um, there are other magazines that are still in print too that I'm blanking on, but we'll start to send to them because they tend to be working on coverage like several months out. So if your book is coming out in like May of um, 2022, you know, it's likely that they're already working on January and February, right? Uh, they're wrapping up January and February right now because we're in October and they're probably starting to look at like March books. So like that kind of gives you a sense of like, okay, your book is coming up in May. We already sent it really early to them so that once they um, wrap up that March and April month, they can start um, looking at, at what they're going to cover. Um, so this is good to know. There's a lead time. There is There's a big lead time. There is a big lead time, um, especially if you're, if you're trying to do print coverage. Um, so when authors are late on their books, what you're telling me is that this impacts. How dare you <laughs> try to drag us? Well, it depends on I'm it depends, myself too. It depends because, on how late, right? Because like right, right, right. I think normally they they usually build in a buffer for like, okay, you know, if the if the author's oh, like the right eye, we're gonna build in a three year buffer. <laughs> <clears throat> three years. Oh my god, you were risking yourself right now. Publishers take note. She late. <laughs> no, I'm trying really hard. I'm trying so hard to be on time. Right now, okay? Shut up. Look, <laughs> I am too. I also suffer from a, a disorder. It's a clinical thing. It's called being late <laughs> with everything. That's actually called pregnant. <laughs> yeah. No. No. How dare you? Don't put that on. Um, <laughs> being chronically late with everything, but... Miss Flo is stays on time. Okay. <laughs> but, but you know what? Um, Writers, you have to give yourself grace because the world is a lot. And like we're all yeah. doing a lot. And to be creative in this day and age, I feel like is like such a bold move. <laughs> even if even if you're late, like it's so like, especially with all of the people who have written books during the time of COVID, I'm like, but how? How did you even complete this project? How did you even find the strength to do these copy edits? Like, so y'all are winning. Even if even if it's late, y'all are still winning. This is a great segue because, okay, so if, an, if a writer is late, right, and you miss the Longley media, that's okay because there are so many publications that are also writing online. Right. And so you still have a good chance to still get into some of that um, national media. Like there's Cosmo online, there's Team Vogue online, like all of these, uh, you know, print places do have coverage online. And so uh, that I mentioned earlier, like if your arcs come in four months out, you know, I think that's the latest we would want it because it's, it gives us enough time to like send it out, give give the reviewer a chance to review it. Um, we usually do several rounds of follow-up and, you know, that's when you'll start to see a lot of the publicity hits coming out anyway. It's in that sort of sometimes three month range, but really it's two months, you know, two to three months out where you're getting a lot of the online coverage, which is fantastic. Um, before I understood that, before I understood these things, be because it, when, when you first come into this industry, nobody really sits down and explains this to you. Right. Like right. I think that some mm -hmm. agents do and they'll say like, Oh, we only need six months. We only need three months. Um, some publishers do take a year. There have been some books where they have a really long lead, mm -hmm. uh, lead out for publicity. But the, for the most part, most authors that I have been around, they sort of freak out if their book isn't being marketed the day they sign the contract. Right. And so I think that, you know, obviously there's an anxiety. We've worked on this so hard and like, we want this book to do well. Right. And so like, what can we say to writers other than like, just 
take a breath one second, right? Relax. Right. <laughs> well, what I'll, what I'll say is while the publisher is putting together the presentation of how they want to sort of like debut your book into the world. And I say debut, right? Because each time you write a new book, it kind of is a debut, right? I know we don't like give each book that title, but that's basically what it is. We're sort of introducing the reader to the cover, introducing the reader to like the the synopsis of the book and et cetera, et cetera. But while we are working on, you know, figuring out the campaign and things like that, because that does take time, um, what the writer should be doing is building up their network. I think, Danielle, you had mentioned earlier when you were filling out these author questionnaires and, you know, you were listing your hometowns, you thought that they were probably like, oh, is anyone going to come to an event here? Or do you know? And I think, you know, Zoraida, you had mentioned, like, is anyone going to show up to my event here? Like, can I get an author or somebody to come? Honestly, that that is something we do think about. We're, We're always wondering, you know, who does this author already know even if your debut yeah. you still know someone right it could it doesn't necessarily have to be another writer but you may know someone who's like really a, a big influencer in your town if you want to be in conversation with them for your event so I think that some writers just get in their head that like they have to automatically rely on the publisher to be well connected in some capacity sure. and it is on the publisher to make sure that we are you know, utilizing our network to um, secure in-conversation partners and on the editor's part to send your book out for blurbs and to, you know, have people read it and say nice things about your your book um, and et cetera. But the author should feel empowered to start to build um, their own community and to, and to start to facilitate those relationships because later on when you get to publication time, you know, it will come in handy. I I remember working with a debut writer who didn't know anyone. You know, they were just like, I'm so isolated. I like, I I go to book events and I say hi to writers and I tell them that I'm a writer too, but that's it. And I'm like, but that's, that's a great start, right? Like you go, you're going to these events, you're introducing yourself, you're putting yourself out there. Most of my, that's how I met most of my friends. Exactly. I would go to, I would go to all the book events at Books of Wonder and just be like, Hey, do you want to go get something to eat afterward? And, um, during my debut party, uh, I didn't really know other, other writers at the time, Mm -hmm. but I did have a giant Latin family. I had a giant network of college friends and I had my work friends. So I had like 75 people inside tiny books of wonder and we sold out of all the books. And because it was my debut my debut launch party for my very first novel. And so those are all guaranteed sales because they're people that like exactly. are friends and family and coworkers and like, they're there to support you. Right? Exactly. And back then we didn't have in conversations. So I just stood there and I just vamped like a comedian. Right. And, 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 did, you, and did, you, did, or did you do a reading? I feel like readings were also I really did, big. I didn't do a reading, but I did talk about like inspiration. Like we didn't, they, people weren't even interviewing the author at that point. Like it wasn't like a, like, like somebody in the store was going to ask me questions. I, I was literally there like a stand-up comic. And, and then I just took questions and I did a raffle and I, and that's how book events used to be. So thank God we started doing, uh, in conversations. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I think, I think that is the time that writers can sort of figure out like, okay, who, you know, who's sort of, um, debuting in my year or who is writing stuff that, I really enjoy, right? You don't necessarily have to be friends with a writer who's writing the same thing you're writing. You know, I think as long as you're writing for the same age group, but you you like, you know, you like what you like, even sometimes you don't have to be writing for the same age group. Like there are plenty of, you know, romance writers who are really great friends and go on retreats with like YA writers. There are YA writers who go on retreats with adult writers. Like, you just find your, you know, you find your people and you connect um, and, and you build community. And so I think 
writers can spend their time doing that. And then also asking questions because when you have a community of writers, you can sort of ask them like, oh, so what did you find really helpful for your your first year? Or like, what kinds of events did you find really interesting during your first year or just in general? And you can kind of soak up the knowledge that way because I think it's one thing to have writer knowledge, but then another thing to have like the actual sort of, publishing side like publishing house side of knowledge um and there are just certain things that like a writer will tell you that your pub your you know your publicist or your editor is probably not going to tell you uh right and so that's why podcasts like yours where, where you're sort of debunking some of this stuff is super important because you know it's like how much can you tell a debut writer without scaring them <laughs> so to speak <laughs> yeah I do think writers scare each other, right? Because mm-hmm. we're telling each other the worst case scenarios of things. Or let, let's say like a friend tells me something and I'm like, well, my publisher, who is the exact same publisher, didn't do that for me. Right. Right. And so like, where do, how do we talk about how not every writer is going to get treated the same way at a publisher? But, you know, when some writers say, oh, my publisher didn't do anything for my book, like there is a minimum that goes into all of the books that are going through the publisher. Yes. Yes. So every single book that is published definitely goes out to media. They're, they're going to all of the long lead media. They're going to all of the shorter term, you know, online influencers, bloggers, et cetera, et cetera. Now we can't control who covers the book. So, you know, that that part is really hard to sit with. But I can guarantee you that publishers are sending, you know, hundreds, sometimes thousands, several thousands of copies. Because it's what I really want writers to know is it's not just publicity and marketing that's sending your book out. It's also the sales team. Um, The sales team is sending to all bookstore uh booksellers across the u.s so that includes amazon barnes and noble buyers at target buyers at walmart etc like your book is being considered in places that you don't even know about you know and 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 i think that is the beauty of it right and it's just the consideration, <laughs> I think, is the beauty of it. Like, your name is being spoken in rooms that you have no idea. And it's like, I think if we told them, like, here's all of the places that we've pitched your book and pitched you for consideration, it would blow your mind. It would honestly blow wow. your mind. I think the harder thing to grapple with is, Will they, you know, will they take a quantity? Will they want to host me for an event? Will they want to, you know, review my book? And believe me, there are so many um, editors that I've like worked with where they're like, oh my God, I love this book, you know, written by X author. Thank you so much for sending it to me. But, you know, we didn't have, I didn't have enough space to cover it, you know, in, in the print magazine. So I would love to, you know, figure out a way to shout it out in some capacity. And so sometimes you'll see your book not featured in print, maybe not even featured online, but it'll be featured on social media. And sure. And I want writers to know that like, that's because the person we sent the book to really enjoyed it so much that they were like, we have to figure out a way to, to showcase this on our um, platform in some way. But that's, that's a positive for you because the next time you write a book or the next time there's an opportunity to maybe speak to you, you know, these people are like, she's on my radar already. Like the writer's already on my radar and I would love, I would love to finally feature her because I have the space you know, in the print magazine or on the online magazine. And so I want writers to know that like, sometimes, you know, the seed may not blossom into the flower, but like the seed has been planted. And so if you're going to continue to write books, which ideally, I hope you are, (laughs) I know that there are a few writers that will write one book and they're like, it didn't work out. So I'm not going to write books anymore. But for the most part, no, for the most part, it's like you come back, you write your next book and like, it's even more exposure. And so 
you know, I, I, there are some writers that are like, I've been doing this for 30 years and then it just finally became my time. There are some writers that are like, I've been doing this for a year and like, it was my time. Timing is everything. And unfortunately that's the one thing a publisher can't really make happen. <laughs> at least, mm-hmm. at least yeah, publicity wise. I hate it too. I hate it too. But it's, it's the sad truth because there are some books, even internally, like we have something called postmortems where we actually look at a book um, and an mm-hmm. author because if it's someone that we're like, wow, we really thought this book was going to resonate or we really thought that this book was going to sell well or we, whatever our expectation was for it, basically, we'll look at it, look, re- review the campaign and try and see like what exactly happened. And sometimes it's just like the news cycle, you know, um, for example, if it was like a big election year and your book came out. Probably not Oof. enough, just probably not enough space for media mm-hmm. coverage, you know? Um, so, like, that that could have impacted it. Um, you know, did your book come out during uh, a very timely event where someone wrote a book that kind of fit that timely event? You know, like 9-11 books. It was the anniversary year, so... There yeah, were the lots. first two weeks of September were horrible. Exactly. So <laughs> for buzz. Exactly. It, unless you wrote about 9-11, then it was sort of like, okay, now we have a lot of media coverage for it. But what's interesting about that is there were several people who wrote 9-11 books in like 2016, 2017, 2018, and they didn't really pop. But this year being an anniversary, it got, you know, it got more attention. So it really just depends on the news cycle um, when it comes to publicity. And so that's why sometimes as publicists will ask the writer, what are you comfortable talking about? Like, is there anything in your life that you can, that you do that you enjoy where we can pitch it? So we call this off the book coverage. So it's like off the book page because that allows us to pitch other um, writers. So, you know, normally we're looking for the book's contact, right? So like at BuzzFeed, Book Riot, et cetera, et cetera, we're always looking for the book's person. But let's say, Danielle, if in your spare time you love baking Mm -hmm. and, (laughs) you know, like you have recipes or, you know, you've been following, I don't know, name a famous like baker or, or whatever. And you're like, I would love to write a piece on this and like how, you know, baking calms me during my writing routine or et cetera, et cetera. Something that could kind of like fit into a baking publication, but still like you can um, still have the opportunity to talk about your book. But the main piece would be, you know, Danielle, the writer loves baking and this is how, um, you know, it helps her balance her life as a writer. Like, Danielle has never baked for me, but she has made excellent <laughs> waffles. Excuse you. I make cookies. <laughs> Yeah, but they're already, the batter's already made. <laughs> How dare you? I'm an excellent cook. Okay, I will get in my baking bag. I also Danielle's made- Danielle's great. Those, Can I tell you guys how Danielle those was- Those snacks? Yeah. Oh, yes, you do. Those, I thought you. your mom made those. Sorry. No, bitch. I make them. <laughs> okay. Uh, Danielle literally almost uh, went to culinary school. Yeah. Seriously? Well, look at Seriously, that. This I, is kismet. I had I had everything set up. Um, she thought she was going to go to culinary school and write four books a year. So yes. also then I found out about my tumors and I was like, oh, I need to have surgeries. Um, <laughs> so Danielle, that, that is that. Listen, if I was your publicist, I would pitch that. Like that, yeah, I, I that's pitch worthy that. right there. <laughs> Let me call Seal. Let me call Seal. Call Seal. <laughs> call Seal. But, you know, so this is how when you see certain writers and they're like in um, women's health or men's health magazine talking about their health routine, but then you also see their book mentioned or um, if, if a, you know, if a writer's obsessed with hair and they're like, you know, included in a hair article, but their book is also mentioned. We kind of call that off the book coverage where it's like, this is something that this author, you know, whether it's, it's a hobby or something they're obsessed with or something they're an expert in, um, or maybe like if your book 
talks about uh I don't know um being a being like a musician or something like that but you yourself are a musician you know what I mean we can Mm. we can then also say like the inspiration for the book was like Zoraida learning how to be a violinist from age you know nine to 15 and like this is how it relates to this character because we're pulling out the non-fiction from the fiction so it you know it's it, it's helpful, um, again, to go back to that author questionnaire, which I know is such a giant document. But if there are any pitch angles, you can put them right. there. You know, if you if you like I said, take your time and think about it. Don't don't just try and, um, you know, fill those out in one day, like in one hour just to get it done. Like really be thoughtful and think about like, OK, how do I want to be pitched? what exactly do I want to be pitched for? And because you're, you know, you're, you're kind of looking for your favorite books, right? Like where do you, where do you um, go to read about new books? Right. Where would you want your book to be covered? You know? And so right. from everywhere, Cerecia, everywhere. I want it all. <laughs> That's my problem. My, <laughs> you, you, like, oh my God. you want it all. Exactly. And so like, you can say, you know, I want to be in uh, L magazine and here's how, here's how I think it might fit. You know, here's, here's the theme. I would like to write, you know, an op-ed piece for the cut, which I actually think what you just mentioned about culinary school and writing four books a year, but then finding, you know, finding out about your tumors, that might work for the cut. It might work for Slate. Um, right. You know, because it's like an essay driven um, piece. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it just really depends on on the writer and what they're comfortable talking about. And I think a really right. great publicist will sort of be, you know, invite the writer to be a thought partner in some of that work. Um, yeah. And I do want to encourage because I know. Not everyone is connected to their publicist directly. So I do want to encourage any listeners out there, if you have ideas, collect them in a document. Don't just send them off one off at a time. You know, collect them in a document, share them with your editor and your agent and just say, like, here's here's all the ways I was thinking I could be pitched. Um, And also, if you want to be pitched a certain way, right, especially if you have other, you know, identities that you may or may not want public, like that should also be shared um, with your internal team. So, you know, for example, obviously I'm black, but maybe I I don't want to be known as a black writer. I just want to be known as like a YA writer. I could have that conversation with my publicist. Like when you pitch me, pitch me as a YA writer in your, in your um, pitch, you know, solicitation, um, don't put black YA writer, just put YA writer. Um, of course, I'm just oh, making put black I, on a capital B for me. No, I'm just saying yeah. I'm using that as an example. Of course, I okay. want I want black in mind, but <laughs> black, blackity, black, black, black. Put it in there four or five times. Exactly. I think it's the same with with queer <laughs> with the queer community as well. Like if, especially, yeah. so like if if you are um, not ready to share that publicly. But, you know, right, not everyone's out. Exactly. If you're not willing to share that publicly, that is something that you need to inform your um, team about. And I think also if there are things you don't want to talk about. So, like, if you're experiencing something personal in your life and we start to secure interviews for you and obviously if, if it leaked or if we just, you know, know that like this, this interviewer might bring it up, you know, we can kind of screen that for you, like screen the questions and figure out ways to make sure that you're protected. So I know sometimes writers don't like to share certain things, but you know, if you need to share the, the publisher can help protect you in a sense, not like 100% and always because things do happen. But for the most part, we'll do our best to try and make sure that we are setting you up um, in environments that are going to be welcoming and you're going to feel comfortable, right? Because you also don't want to do events where you're like, okay, this was a toxic environment, you know, um, or this person that's on this panel, I have issues with, like, 
we can delicate, delicately handle those things. Um, and so like, you kind of have to share the tea a little bit. <laughs> you don't have to go in, you don't have to go in depth, but like, if there are certain things where you're just like, I can't do this. And here's the reason why I survived a six person murder spree. And I'm here to tell the story of my debut werewolf <laughs> novel. But so I have a, I have a potentially uncomfortable question. Like, what if you're just a normal person that like, and you just wrote a nice book mm-hmm. and like, you know, like, how do you get attention? How do you stand out? Like as a, as a Latina writer, you know, I can't be like, I, I was impoverished and came to another country and like, and like, you know, like the, the stereotype that America wants us to have, you mm-hmm. know, I, I don't have that story. Um, or like some author, tried to do like, oh, my husband is undocumented, but he's actually just Irish. Uh, like, you know, like, uh, you know, and, and then try to try to sell their book that way. Like, what if you're just a normal person just- who's <laughs> like, <laughs> are you saying what if you're not pitchable? Like, yeah, what if you're, what if, you're not, what if I'm not, what if I'm not tragic and pitchable or what if I'm not <laughs> sensational and pitchable? Like some people are just like, oh my God, look, like, you know, Right. So what happens? What do you do then? So if there's no story, right? <laughs> if there's no story. Except the story that you wrote. Yeah, I was going to say, like, if there's no, like, <laughs> personal brand story, right, for the writer, then you mm-hmm. focus on the book. You, you do focus on the book heavily, which we do. We do pitching for both. Um, but I've worked with people who, you know, have lived sort of in a very remote town, not very well connected to other writers, not a really big community, um, but they really wrote a wonderful, delightful story. And so it's like, okay, great. Now let me help them in other ways. So sometimes it's like, you don't really have a social media presence. Do you want to be on social media? Um, And here's how you can connect beyond your town, right? So like, you know, sort of educating them on how to use the digital platform, so that they can build their community. But then on my end, I'm still pitching the book, not necessarily um, pitching like a story for the author to write like op-ed pieces or essays, um, but to still encourage the media person to interview them about the book. So sometimes it just depends on on what the campaign is going to skew. I think for me, a well-balanced one is where you can like, pitch the book, but then also have in your wheelhouse a couple of things that the author can personally speak about, whether it's about the book or just about them in general. So like, you know, going back to like Danielle being a baker and like saying like, you know, (laughs) also like, you know, fun things that you could talk to her about is like baking and how that like, you know, she weaves that into her writing routine and et cetera, et cetera, or how she builds community by baking and, and inviting writers over to like, you know, just have a dessert party. I don't know. I'm just making up oh stuff gosh. here. <laughs> I hope so. But that's, I'll invite both of you over and I will bake for you. I would, I would love that. Um, yeah, but that's, that's like the publicist's job is to come up with really fun pitch angles. Like that's our job. Right. And, and our job is to also pull out that information from the author. And if the author can't give it to us, we'll go to the editor because nine times out of 10, the editor just has a naturally closer relationship to the writer than we do because they've spent however long (laughs) editing, editing the manuscripts with you for, you know, for some people it's a year, for some people it's longer than that. Um, And so Uh they know, (laughs) they know other angles that might be interesting um, that we may not. I love this. And it like gives us an overview for like how we can think through what makes us unique, what makes our Mm -hmm. book unique, how we can work with the people on our team in order to get that message out. And I'm wondering if you could, I mean, you're an author as well and you have a book coming. And I want to know like with your publicist hat on, what do you wish authors knew? Um, and how can they be helpful along with the pitching, like thinking through, filling out that document super well, thinking Mm -hmm. of different things that you're, you know, expert on or that you really like, Mm -hmm. um, for pitchable angles. But is there anything else you wish we knew so that we're not freaking out in your inbox? 
And you're not freaking out in your publicist inbox because you have a publicist too. Yes, yes. So this is such a fantastic question because I think that as writers, as, as authors, we tend to be nervous about what we can ask and, you know, like what we can ask for, but also what we can inquire about when it comes to our campaign and our books. Um, But I want, like, I want you all to know that you should feel empowered because we are honestly routing everything for approval. So your editor, (laughs) your editor is seeing our, press releases. They are seeing our marketing copy. They're seeing the ads before they run. And so you may not have direct access to your marketer. You may not have direct access to your publicist. In some cases you might. And if you do, you you know feel empowered to go directly to these people if you have any issues with campaigns. But if you are seeing something about the way your book is being marketed or publicized and you don't like it, you can email and say, hey, I saw this thing, you know, go out or um, I don't want my book marketed this way. So like example, I, I mentioned, or actually Zaretta, you mentioned like a Latinx fantasy, but maybe it's like a very specific, you know, Latin American country that you would prefer be mentioned and you want to go really niche. So if it's like, right. you know, this is actually a Colombian fantasy, then say Colombian. Why are you saying Latino? Right. That way we don't get trolled for using X, E, O, X, Y, Z. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I tweeted about that the other day. I was like, I can't oh. keep up. But um, I need them. <laughs> but you can totally feel empowered about that. If if your book is saying, you know, X meets X and you're like, but it's not X meets X, you can have a conversation with your editor about it. You know, everything is up for negotiation and like nothing is final. Um, I I think writers kind of really need to know that and hear that um, because especially like newbie writers. um, So people who have published like one or two books where they're like, the publisher decided to do this. I had no idea because you hear that a lot as well. Like the publisher did it. I didn't like it. Well, guess what? You can tell them, especially if it's your second time around, you can tell them what you did and what you didn't like. We are open to feedback. We want to hear that. Um, again, we, when, when a publisher acquires a book, we want it to sell, we want to get it into the hands of readers. And so if you, if you're seeing something, that's a red flag, if you're seeing something where you're like, this is being mismarketed, you can pipe up and say those things. Um, and definitely at, at minimum, if you don't feel comfortable going directly to your editor or going directly to your publicist and marketer, tell your agent and your agent that's, you know, that's literally their job is to advocate for you. Um, and so they should take your concerns to the book team. Um, and the book team will then have a discussion because at the end of the day, every publisher has something called author care and every publisher prides themselves on having the best author care, meaning we care about our authors and we want to keep you happy. Um, and so when you are not happy, You need to say why. So instead of saying my publisher didn't do anything for my book, what exactly did you want the publisher to do? Because if you, what were your, what were your expectations? What were your expectations? Where did you want to see it marketed? Where did you want to see it publicized? Um, You know, where, where, where's the place that matters most to you? Is it your local hometown? Like, those those things need to be vocalized. Um, And nine times out of ten. For publicity, um, we will pitch wherever you want the book to be pitched. So if there's somewhere that we're not thinking of, you can always feel free to send us a note like, hey, this person's probably on your list already, but I would love for you to pitch, you know, this person, or I would love for you to pitch this publication. And like, we'll go out. We have wonderful tools that we use like uh, Muckrack, Scission, all of these databases to find and track down uh uh, reviewers and bloggers and influencers, influencers and things like that. So you can literally send us a link if you don't know anyone at the publication, or if you're obsessed with like an editor at a publication and you're like, oh my God, every, every story they write about is amazing. I would love for them to write about me or my book. Let us know that because, you know, we can pitch on your behalf. The other thing that I want them to know is, If you are going to hire an outside person, 
First, check and see what your publisher is doing. Every, every single book gets a marketing plan. Now, is every single marketing plan being shared with every single, you know, writer and agent? Probably not, because there are things like focus, non-focus. Um, but every single book, there's a plan for it. And so you should ask for that plan. And then if you are going to hire someone, don't do anything that the publisher is already doing because it really is double efforts. It really, it really is not in your benefit. So like if your publisher is, you know, sending you on a national tour, don't hire a publicist to book you for events, you know, an outside publicist to book you for events. If they are saying we are going, we're aggressively seeking national media, then maybe you want to hire a publicist to aggressively seek local media for you. Like you want to make sure it's a well-balanced plan and you don't want to bring someone on really early on. I actually suggest to people that they should hire an outside publicist a month or two before their book goes on sale because um, for, for publicists or at least book teams internally, all the time leading up to your book's publication, we're working on your book. A month, ah. two months after your book publication, that's when it kind of slows down. We're not like we're still working on it, still pitching you for opportunities. But you have to keep in mind, we have other books that are coming out the following month. Right. Um, So like all of our focus is not going to just be on like the books that came out in August. Like we're in October now. So like we're going to be still pitching our front list. We will definitely still pitch you for opportunities because, you know, you're within the season or you're within the year. But I personally think that folks um, shouldn't shouldn't be hiring people six months out before their book goes on sale. I'm like, hire them, hire them three months out, two months out, preferably, and then um, continue, you know, continue past publication because that's when you really need the buzz. Right. Right. But most people, most people don't like to do that. They like to hire people before the campaign. Um, and it's tough. If you're a debut writer, I, I definitely wouldn't recommend hiring. But it depends on, on what you want and what your expectations are for the campaign. So again, just making sure you have a discussion so you know what your plan, what the plan is for your book. And those expectations, Cerecia, are, are what, you know what I mean, what get us, get us in trouble, okay? Because No, sometimes- they absolutely are. They absolutely yes. are, but here's here's why it's important because it frames for us as a publicist how you how you see yourself and how you see your career going you know what I mean it frames for us eventually like where does Danielle want to take her career you know she sees herself as which I'm sure everyone sees themselves as a best-selling author but like best-selling how you see yourself as a New York Times, like is your goal New York Times bestseller, which we all know that that list is so jacked up. It's very hit or miss. Uh, but like that, that means you have serious expectations, right? And so your book team will kind of stay on their toes completely for the entire campaign because they're like, there are really serious expectations here. This is what the author wants. Does that mean that we're going to meet your expectations, Danielle? No, <laughs> but excuse me. I want the world. I, I want it. All. <laughs> and we want to give you the world, but I'm, I'm, give me a buffer, honey. I'm saying like, it, it, <laughs> just because you know what you want doesn't necessarily mean the publisher can get guarantee it for you, but it's really right. good for them to know, like you're taking your career seriously and this is where you want to be. No, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I'm kidding, but not kidding. But I always say I want it all, right? Like, <laughs> oh no, I, yes. <laughs> what I want, if I want for books that are written by by POC people to have a shot, right? To get the media and to get the opportunity and to be pitched, so that they just have a freaking shot in this like loud noise machine that is, you know, trying to get attention for books. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just what I want. I just want 
them to have their fair shake uh, because so many other people don't have to do anything and they get the world rolled out for them. Right. And I just, I just always want my books to get a shot. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. And Um, I, and I think, I think that's important. Um, But I know we spoke about this earlier. I just quickly want to say, if you are a BIPOC writer and if you are no, if your debut or like sophomore year and you know you're extremely late on your book, <laughs> you might want to have a discussion about like moving, you know, moving the yeah. pub date because those 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 arcs <laughs> coming in really do matter. They it, it really does matter. But if you're if you know, if you're a veteran and you know that like you can make it work, then stick to it. But as as BIPOC writers, it, it is really hard. I've seen some people's books skew really late and not, you know, just not not have enough time to be out with um, sort of tastemakers, gatekeepers, influencers, et cetera, to help build that, that word of mouth. And that hasn't helped. And unfortunately, as a BIPOC writer, word of mouth is really key. And you need every second of it. And that's mm-hmm. what I tell a lot of um, writers who are like, oh, my gosh, I'm so behind. They're going to crash it. I'm like, don't crash your book. Just move it a season. Move it a season. If you know that you're not going to be able to have the best book that you can have at the time and have the lead, long time lead that you need, the runway, don't do it. Just because you miss your opportunity. And mm-hmm. everything's rushing. You don't get the things that you that you deserve um, when you do that. Um, and so I like Absolutely. a long lead. I would rather bump a season, bump me a season, versus mm-hmm. crunching me and crunching my runway for my book. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's important for us to get smarter and to work with our publicists, and also to have our expectations consistently and constantly checked. Right. Absolutely. Like, so that we, you know, we can have a healthy relationship to the industry and to our book launching process. Um, yeah. And you've given us so much to think about and demystified so much. Even for me, I'm like, oh, right. So this is what my publicist is doing. You know, since we are in the era of the panini <laughs> and there's still a pandemic and everything switched over. Is there anything that you would suggest is helpful in this new digital? I mean, it was always a digital age, but now we're fully, you know, we are fully Mm -hmm. stuck with it, you know, for a while. I think we have another year of this shit um, coming. Is there anything you think we should do besides sending our publicists a document that has like, hey, here are some things that I can write confidently on if you want to pitch me for articles? Mm -hmm. There are other things that you think we can do, whether it's, um, you know, just getting the message out about our books. Is it having the right talking points? Is it, you know, what do, what do you think now that we are uh, this fully is, in the online age? This is such a fantastic question because at the, at the height of the pandemic, what we were really seeing was everyone sort of wanted to be, everyone wanted to be connected in some way. And so... There were several Instagram lives happening. There were several virtual events happening. And then by the end of 2020, everyone was sort of, sort of like fatigued and and was just like, okay, I can't tune in to this Instagram live. I can't tune in to this Zoom. I can't tune in to this thing. And so I think it's really important to figure out ways that are really going to make an impact. That's really going to make a splash, but also not tire you out. Because like you said, a lot of this stuff has already been done. Like we're still in the panini, so to speak. So like how many virtual events can you do before like, you know, especially if the stuff is being recorded and like replayed, which is still great exposure, right? Because then people can come and watch it at their leisure. But what is so different about that conversation? Like, I want writers to think about like offering something different at each thing that they do, you know? Mm -hmm. And so talking about your book in different ways, and that's going to take a lot of work and a lot of effort because normally you're like, I got the pitch down for my book. So this is something I can mention, you know, at every single event. But unfortunately you're not doing in-person events as much anymore 
you're doing online events. And as, as a reader, as someone who's attending these things, if I'm going to like follow you on your virtual tour, I want you to talk about something different at each virtual stop. You know, I want to hear something different about your book. I don't want it to be the inspiration was because I really liked ice cream, right? On the first day. And then then on the fifth day, it's still the same thing. And I'm like, wow, I followed Cerecia on tour. And the only, you know, the only piece of inspiration that I found about her book is that she really liked ice cream. And like, that's great. But like, she never mentioned the flavor, you know? So it's like, give, give something that makes each virtual stop special. Um, and the same with your interviews. I know that it's hard because we tend to be asked the same questions in interviews, but once again, it's like, try and, um, walk around with talking points. You know, I think it's nice because now a lot of people are doing interviews over the phone or through zoom. So you can actually don't know the talking points of their own books is really frustrating for me. It's maddening. It, it is. It's, it's very, (laughs) it's very, very, but this is the thing. Like authors are not trained. We're not media people. We're not like we're writers. So like, I feel like if publishers want that, if we want like authors to be more prepared, like, is there like a crash course that we can give to writers? And, and I, you know, this is something that I wish, like if Madcap Retreats was ongoing, I like the, the workshops, I feel mm-hmm. like we could have an, uh, a, 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 a day of like a, a workshop on how to not be awkward. Right when getting interviewed and talk about your book in a way that makes me actually want to buy it. Right. So there is some publicists in the industry who um, offer something called media training. Yeah. Um, and and I say some because not every single publicist does this, but like I, I'm someone who does it. So if I... I guess I'm just different. <laughs> the way... In the, like... I, I'm just different because, you know, when I'm working with an author, I'm really assessing everything. What is their, what's their tone? You know, what's Mm -hmm. their speaking voice? You know, how do they talk about their book? Are they talking too fast? Are they talking too Mm -hmm. slow? Are they answering the question? You know, did they go off on a tangent? And I'm kind of taking notes. So when I meet my authors, um, obviously it's been virtually lately. So when I meet them, I'm watching and taking notes. Like, okay, this person, you know, wouldn't be, you know, got flustered when they talked about this point or et cetera, et cetera. And I write them, I write them and I say like, it was so great to meet you. You know, here's what I want you to work on. I kind of give them a little checklist of like, you know, as we prepare to plan your campaign and et cetera, et cetera. I just wanted to check, are you comfortable doing podcasts? Because I've had some people, they don't have a good podcast voice. They're like, it just doesn't work. (laughs) And so it's like, I wouldn't pitch them for podcasts. But then there are other people who have a fantastic podcast voice who are great for radio, you know? Um, Other people that I think it's like, I have to listen in on on their interviews to help them stay on course. Um, And so like, if we're gonna do a phone interview, I'm usually on it. If, if, uh, yeah, I try to be on phone, phone interviews as much as possible. That's not something that a lot of publicists do. Um, and that's just to like, especially if it's a debut or like a sophomore author again, who I feel needs, you know, needs some little trimming. Um, I'll pop in and and make sure that exactly (laughs) make sure they stay on topic, but you know, media training is something that like you can seek this out on your own as a writer. There are companies um, that you can, you know, take like a speech class and they'll basically ask you several types of interview questions and you'll answer, you'll, you'll provide your answers and they'll sort of give you feedback and say like, start again um, because you didn't even answer the question or, um, you know, think like think about what you want to say before you answer the question, et cetera, et cetera. There are a bunch of tips, you know, cause these things are expensive sometimes. So there are a bunch of tips, um, that you can and do. It's like book media is so different than like other kinds of media. So the, the training is so much different. It has, mm-hmm. it's such a specific industry. And I feel like so many of us are just like, I've had really great experiences with my last couple publishers, right. Um, 
I've loved working with the publicity people and the marketing people. I still want to call it marketeers, but uh, <laughs> marketers uh, that I've been able to work with, especially at, at, um, at SNS. And so it's, you know, you get to see once you move around publishers, once like if you have a longer career where you're moving around to different publishers, you get to see sort of how everybody works a little bit different. Right. Um, I, I almost hired before I met my team, I was going to hire an outside publicist, um, to just sort of get like an extra boost. Mm-hmm. And she was like, who's your publisher again? And and I told her and she was like, I used to work there. I'm not going to take your money because they're going to do, they're a phenomenal team. And I was like, great. So like, so I ended up not even being able to, she rejected me. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, that's, that's the other thing. It's like, ask, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like you have to ask around, you have to ask to see the plan to really see like what they're going to do for you. Yeah. And then later on, like a year later, when I finally met the team, I was like, oh, she was right. Like, this is phenomenal. Like I love, I love everybody here. Yes. And congratulations on your book. I'm still listening to the audiobook with Frankie Corso. Oh. Oh, I love Frankie. Thank you. I know. I, honestly, you guys should do a, um, an episode on that is just like audiobook narrators. Um, oh, yeah. Like, oh, like BIPOC um, ones because there really aren't that many. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating thing. But thank you so much for coming, Sericia, and visiting us. We love you. Of you demystified everything. And I really think that this episode is going to help people understand the role of publicity Yay. and what they can do and, and just make us all feel a little bit more sane in, in this book publishing process. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me into the publicity parlor. <laughs> That's it for this week's episode of Deadline City. Thank you so, so much for listening in. Our goal is to demystify the publishing industry and count on listeners like you for your support. If you like what you hear, comment, subscribe, give us five stars, and share the episodes. Check out our Patreon and Ko-fi information at deadlinecity.com support. See you next week, and for now, ride on.